You are listening to a podcast of Risen Savior Lutheran Church in Chula Vista, California. Growing in faith, living in hope, serving in love, all to the glory of God. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We turn our attention to this week's Old Testament lesson, Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. This is the Word of God. I don't know if you have ever added up some of the crazy things God asked Moses to do. Moses, I want you to go to Egypt and and lead my people. In case you had forgotten, the reason Moses left Egypt is because he was a murderer. And now the Lord wanted him to go back to Egypt crazy. Just the first of many crazy things the Lord asked Moses to do. Let me share some others with you. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh and it will become a snake. Crazy, but okay. How about this one? The Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will plague your whole country with, drumroll, frogs. Frogs? Really? Okay. Crazy, but okay. Think about another time when they crossed the Red Sea. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. That's going to do it? Just raising my arms with the staff? Okay. Just one more example from a time the Israelites were thirsty, had no water around. This is what the Lord said to Moses. Take the staff and gather the assembly together Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. So you want me to speak to a rock in front of everyone? Just one of the many crazy things God asked Moses to do. And another one we have in our text for today, right? The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Really? 
I mean, Moses' people were literally being bitten by venomous snakes, and, and this is God's solution? Fashion a snake, put it on a pole, and people look at it and live? Crazy. But maybe the craziest out of all the details of this account is how the people even got to this situation in the first place. Because all the Lord had done for them is provide time and time again everything they needed. Maybe not everything they wanted, but everything they absolutely needed. He provided them food, and they were fine with that for a while, but eventually it wasn't good enough for them. In our text, it calls it miserable food. Actually, they referred to the food that God sent them as starvation rations. That's what they thought of the food the Lord had graciously provided for them. Deuteronomy chapter 8 gives us some more background as to the ways God had blessed them. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. Remember how he fed you with manna. Remember how your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. All the Lord did was provide for them time and time again. And I'd even talk about the victories the Lord provided for them over their enemies. But all Israel did was complain time and time again. Pretty awful, huh? But let us also recognize the grumbling, complaining Israelites in each one of us, too. Have you ever thought or said to yourself as you sat there at the dinner table, leftovers again? What, was three days of turkey after Thanksgiving too much for you? Try eating the same exact food for decades. Have you ever thought or said to yourself, I have nothing to wear? What, the multiple dressers in your bedroom and the closet full of clothing just wasn't enough? Maybe you've thought or said out loud to yourself, I am just so sick and tired of moving. I just want to settle down already. You compare that to Israelites and, and how often they had to pick up camp and keep moving for those four decades of their lives. And so I guess it's just a reminder that we, we better know who we're talking about when we say those crazy, grumbling, unthankful Israelites, as there's a little bit of that in each one of us too. And we don't even have it as bad as they did. And that's one reason why I actually have a little bit of sympathy for them, especially considering the context of these verses. You have to realize they had been going through so much in many ways for 38 to 40 years. They're finally ready to cross over into the promised land. All they need to finally enter it is the okay from the Edomites just to pass through their territory. And here's Edom's response. You may not pass through here. If you try, we will march out and attack you with the sword. They were so close to the promised land. And now they have to turn around and go back a different way. Have you ever grumbled when you came to a detour on a long trip? Even a short trip. 
One day I was, I was going home, only three miles away, and there was a detour, and I grumbled. I complained. Part of me is sympathetic with Israel because I can re- relate to that. It is, a detour is never fun, but it didn't make it right for them to complain against Moses. It didn't make it right for them to complain against God. And it's never right for us to complain against God either, no matter what, no matter when, no matter why. So the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. What is your own conclusion about that? The Lord sent venomous snakes among them. Cruel, maybe, is the word in your mind. The Lord sent venomous snakes among them. Unfair, maybe? The Lord sent venomous snakes among them. Wrong, maybe? The Lord sent venomous snakes among them. How many of you in your own mind right now are thinking of the word loving? It's not hard to see, but it's there. What's the worst thing God could have done? The absolute worst thing God could have done and had the right to do, and Israel deserved it, worst thing God could have done is simply walked away from them. I'm done with you. I'm through with you. No, there, there's love in this action, and as we see, it accomplished the Lord's intended purpose. The first thing they do where we read about is, is the Lord sent the snakes, and the people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. No excuses. We sinned. And that's when the Lord told Moses to, to fashion this snake, put it on a pole, and people look at it and live. And that's exactly what happened, by the way. When anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. So here's the question of the day. What saved them? I'll give you three options. That bronze snake that Moses fashioned saved them. Option two, their effort in lifting their sick eyes up toward that snake is what saved them. Or option three, God's word and his powerful promises saved them. To help us figure out the answer, let me draw your attention to last week and what happened here. If you weren't here, there was a baptism. His little Liam was baptized. What was it that made Liam a child of God? Was it the water over his head that gave him the forgiveness of sins and, and made him a child of God? Maybe some of you remember your catechism instructions and you remember these words. It is certainly not the water that does such things, but God's word, which is in and with the water. For without God's word, the water is just plain water and not baptism. Was it little Liam who decided he'd become a child of God on that day? But with the word, baptism is a gracious water of life and a washing of rebirth by the Holy Spirit. Or take today as an example as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. 
It is certainly not the eating and drinking that brings us forgiveness of sins, but the words given and poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. These words are the main thing in this sacrament, and whoever believes these words has what they plainly say, the forgiveness of sins. Salvation was not their doing in the desert on that day. Salvation was not Liam's doing last week. And today's difficult lesson of Lent that we're focusing on is salvation is not our doing in here either. I hope you heard it during the epistle lesson for today. It is by grace It is by grace you have been saved through faith. This, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And we heard something very similar in the gospel lesson for today, tying it together. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Salvation is clearly not our doing. And if scripture is so clear about it that salvation is not our doing, then why have I included it in one of the difficult lessons of Lent? Well, it's a difficult lesson for us to learn Because we live in a world that teaches us that it is our efforts on our part that will bring us into a relationship with God. It is based on our efforts that we can climb into heaven. Sadly, we live in a day and age in a country, even in a community where there are other churches Sadly, clouding the truths of Scripture by saying that God got our salvation started, we just have to finish it. And then there's this influence we all carry with us no matter where we go. We all share this influence, the own influence of our our sinful flesh, which tries to take credit for anything and everything good. I'm saved because I've been a good husband. Or at least I've tried my best. I'm saved because I've been a hard worker. I'm saved because I've done this. I've done that in my life. I'm saved because I have made this personal decision in my own heart to be Christ's follower. I'm saved because of what I've done. Wrong, wrong, and wrong. That's why it's such a difficult lesson of Lent and throughout the year to learn because we are influenced, we live in an influence that tells us salvation is our doing, but it's not. Another thing that makes this a difficult lesson to learn is the foolishness of it. Think about what God told Moses to do, told the Israelites that all they had to do is look at the the cross and, and live. Really. That's it. I remember one of the craziest plans I've ever heard. My family and I, we were on a family vacation. This is when I was younger. Northern Wisconsin, and we splurged, and we rented a, a speedboat for the day. 
went back to the cabin for some lunch, took a little time off, and my dad came up with the craziest plan of all time, at least as far as I was concerned. He said, Paul, go grab your fishing pole and a lure, and let's see if we can't troll and catch a muskie. Everything about that was crazy if, if you are into fishing. It was the middle of the afternoon. But the biggest thing was there's, I couldn't envision in my mind trolling for a fish with a 150 horsepower motor. And yet I said, all right, well, it's crazy, but I'll go along with it. And you know exactly what happened that day, right? The only muskie I have caught in my entire life in that way on that day. It was a crazy plan, but it worked. That's not always going to be the case for the different plans we have, the crazy plans we have. Sometimes they'll work, sometimes they won't. But when it comes to God, his plans work. You remember some of the things I mentioned about Moses and what God asked him to do? Talk to a rock and water will come out. Put a snake on a pole and people can look to it and live. Think about what we're going to see in a few weeks. As we see today and every day we gather here, Jesus on the cross. That's the way to salvation? He's the way to salvation? Crazy, but true. An important passage to remember, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 25. The foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. Christ on the cross in so many ways is foolish. And from one perspective, it's also very ugly to see Christ on the cross because we know what we deserve, and yet he's there. But Christ on the cross, from another perspective, is so glorious and beautiful because it's there where we can begin to grasp God's amazing love for us. Because remember what we've been in our lives. All we've been are the grumbling, complaining Israelites in our lives. And yet God does this. Not a snake on a pole, but his own son on the cross. God does work in mysterious ways, but his ways work. His ways save. It's what Ephesians 2 calls grace. Difficult concept to come to terms to as the world in which we live tells us, no, there's nothing for free, at least nothing good. There's always fine print. There's always some strings attached to everything. And yet the biggest gifts ever of forgiveness of sins and eternal salvation for our souls are free? Well, not for Jesus it wasn't. He... he, poured out his lifeblood for it, but for us, free. For us, free. It's a difficult lesson of Lent, but one of the best. Salvation is not our doing. Thank God it's not. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Risen Savior podcast. For more information about our church, Check us out online at risensavior.us.